Welcome to Scanner School and Happy New Year. My name is Phil Lichtenberger and on today's podcast, we are answering your scanner radio questions because it's the first Tuesday of the month and it's the first Tuesday of the year. And today marks five years of podcasting and five years of bringing Scanner School to you. So thank you so much for being a listener. Again, if this is your first time listening to the podcast or your 263rd time Man, I feel bad for you if that's the case. <laughs> but thank you for your support and hey, keeping me motivated to do this for five years. Now, for those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while, also know on the first Tuesdays, we normally go live to answer your questions on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and also on Twitter on the first Tuesday. But because again of my, my cancer diagnosis and treatments, we need to postpone it. So I invite you to sign up for our email newsletter by going to scannerschool.com and sign up right there on the front page. Or even better, if you go over to our YouTube channel and you subscribe there, you'll be notified when we do schedule our monthly Q&A session. That's really the best way to do that. Most likely will be held on a Saturday or a Sunday time for, you know, breakfast time on the West Coast and maybe a or brunch on the East Coast. Let's just go ahead and put it that way. But date TBD. So what we normally do here is we give away a free tutoring session for those of you who pick up the phone or use the microphone button on SpeakPipe to leave me a voicemail using your voice. Also, we do take questions coming in through scannerschool.com slash ask when you use the form there. But again, I always like to put those of you who put in a little extra effort and leave me a voicemail, we always answer those questions first. So we have three voicemail questions we're going to go with this month. And yeah, at the end of this session, we'll be giving away a free tutoring session. So with that, let's go ahead right now and jump into our very first question. Hey, Phil, it's Dylan in Tennessee again. I've called, I think this is my third time. And I really appreciate your help. It's made getting into this a lot easier. So I've been into this hobby now, and it's about midway through last year. And I'm ready to make a big upgrade to my base scanner. And I'm looking at the 536, the 996, and the SDS. I've sold enough of my stuff to where money's there if I have to get the SDS. But I don't believe I'm going to have simulcast problems. And I really kind of liked the layout of the 536. But I wanted to get your opinion on the pros and cons of like the 996 versus the 536. And if you didn't mind, take a look at Radio Reference just to double check and see if you believe I'm going to have any issues with simulcast. Because of course if I did, then I would get the SDS. But anyway, I live and monitor Unicoi County, Tennessee, Carter County, Tennessee, and I'll also be listening to Sullivan and Washington County, Tennessee. I know there's a lot of encryption, but there's still a lot to listen to. There's a P25 
phase two system and uh, quite a bit of DMR starting to pop up. So I wanted to get a scanner that can more effectively hear that because I'm literally using a 355 right now at the house and I just want to have more control over what I listen to. And Thanks again. I look forward to hearing from you. Hey, Dylan, thank you again for asking yet another question. I think this is now a hat trick for you. Third question, and I hope that I've been able to help you out so far. So really great question tonight. So this week, really great question. And also we'll go through them and and I'll go through radio reference as requested and help you understand whether or not you have simulcast in your area. But no matter what you go with right now, let me be honest with you. Anything that you purchase basically is going to be one serious upgrade over the 355. Now, for those of you who do not know, the Bearcat or the BC355N is a small form factor scanner radio. Kind of fits in the same line as the BC350A, the 350C, and there's a couple of other ones I think that fell. The BCT7 was almost the same body style. BCT7 was a little bit longer or deeper than the BC350. I have got a couple of BC350s, never really that crazy about them. And the reason why I'm not really super crazy about them is because it's a real pain in the neck to program. There's one bank, or one private bank, basically, on that scanner. And in order to program, you have to basically go through the uh, the bands, and then you have to basically hold down the up or down button until you get the frequency that you want to program in. Then you hit enter and programming into the next spot. And some of these radios have a really small memory channel or memory limitation, maybe 50 channels or 100 channels. I get what the actual stats are on this, but real pain back to program. These are more or less for people that want to take a mobile. They have a small place to put a scanner in and they want the convenience of just pressing a button and letting the scanner do the work for them, such as scan the most common police channels or frequencies or scan the most common fire frequencies, scan airband or CB or something like that. Really not the most user-friendly scanners out there. So why I say that Anything you get is going to be an upgrade. Anything you get is going to be an upgrade. To be honest with you, what I've been using my BC350 for for a while was a discriminator tap radio to run software such as Unitrunk or, or something like that before the SDRs really became popular. And also I had one that was just basically parked on one frequency because, again, real pain in the neck to program. I'd rather hit my, you know, my thumb with a hammer all day long than have to program one of these scanners. An exaggeration, but you get it, right? If I haven't painted the picture by now, it's a very painful scanner to use. So you laid out three options right here. You've laid out a BCD996P2, a BCD536HP, and also an SDS200. Again, because you were saying desktop, you just said SDS. I'm assuming SDS200. So let's break these all apart here. Now, the bcd 996P2 is basically a DMA style scanner. This basically means dynamic memory allocation. This is about as close as you're going to get to a keypad entry level scanner. Although I would strongly, strongly recommend programming this with software such as Butel's Butel Arc XT for that scanner. Or ProScan, one of those two. You, you may be able to do FreeScan, but if you decide to upgrade into DMR, FreeScan is not going to help you at all, really. It, it just, they just never developed the software beyond that point. Now, it's the, the P2 is a good scanner. I have one of them, and, and they work very well. The display on it's 16 channels. You've got 
like 9,000 memory locations on it. And again, you're going to need software to do this one. Now with dynamic memory allocation, what that basically means is that you can put one frequency or one talk group in a scan list, or you could put a hundred or even a thousand. Well, there's a limitation to it, but you could put enough in there that you're, you're going to be satisfied. Let's put it that way. And this scanner does support popping in one trunk system and then multiple sites under that trunk system. And then you put all your talk groups in. So you don't have to reprogram each system for each site like you used to prior to the XT model line, which is a T line. You would have to do that. So the P2 makes a nice you know, progression through the ranks of the, or the evolution of that scanner. Now, the P2 also designates the fact that you're going to get phase two talk groups on there, which you're going to need, by the way. And you can also upgrade the scanner to do NXDN, DMR, or Pro Voice. Now, looking at your areas of Tennessee, DMR might be something you may want to pay an upgrade for. Now, in all three of these scanners, DMR is an option for you. And I believe it costs past $75 to upgrade to DMR. You're going to get GPS scanning or turning the systems off and on if you use radio reference to program the scanner, which is nice. So you could travel through all these different counties and the scanner turn itself off and on for you. So entry level, through the door, phase two, digital radio, 996P2 is a really good scanner. I don't see anything wrong with it. Again, we'll put a little dog ear in here right now or a little bookmark, whatever you want to call it, because we're going to talk about simulcast in a minute. Out of all three of these radios, though, this radio would do the worst when it comes to playing with a simulcast environment. So let's just think about that for a second. This radio is also the cheapest when it comes to the three scanners here. So that might be a benefit to you as well. But you were saying you like the layout of the 536 HP. And I really can't argue with you on that one. You have to remember, before the 536 HP came out, there was this thing called a home patrol. And a lot of people complained about the home patrol. And I was very vocal about it too. I don't know if it fell on the proper ears, but you know, I was part of the camp of saying, I wish that the home patrol was more like a regular scanner where you had buttons and it, and it worked like a normal scanner. And I think that somebody in the back room, you know, Mr. Paul Opitz, probably made it a 996P2 with a home patrol. And the results were the offspring was a 436 and a 536. Basically, you got the best of both worlds on this one. You have a keypad uh, scanner that we're familiar with, but you also have the back end of the home patrol. And I think this brings it to a much higher level than it does with a 996 because now you can start using Sentinel to program the favorites lists in this scanner. Again, you can use Sentinel. You can use ProScan. And Butel also has software that you can use here as well. You're going to need Sentinel, though, to at least update the master database in the scanner. And you're also going to need to do firmware upgrades in the scanner. Everything that happens on this radio happens on a micro SD card. So one of the first upgrades you're going to want to do is to upgrade and make, put a larger micro SD card in the front of this. And I also recommend that you burn multiple copies of this SD card because if you don't gracefully shut down this radio, 
meaning you don't physically turn it off from the dial and let it write to the SD card, you could actually corrupt the SD card. And again, this also holds true for the SDS200, not true for the 996P2. So again, on top of having the Home Patrol database on the back end of this, you also have a larger screen, which means you have more information that can come across here. You can also have more of a detailed screen on the 536 than you get off of the 996. You also have GPS-based scanning, which again, you had prior. But what you get on this radio besides the Home Patrol database and the ease of programming with Sentinel is you also have the ability to connect this to a Wi-Fi network which means this can sit on your desk, connected to your router, and you can remote control into the radio. You can remote program it without ever having to plug the USB cable into the front of the radio. I've done this with ProScan, and it works really well. I stream my 536HP to the internet all off the Wi-Fi dongle as well, which means I don't have to plug in a jumper between the speaker output and my line in on my computer, and I also don't need to have a data connection. Everything runs right off the Ethernet. It makes it really easy to set up. Now, if you're going to be mobile or in your car or something like that, you can actually set up the radio to have a Wi-Fi hotspot or access point in there so you can connect directly to the radio. So you can use software like Siren on your phone, as long as you have an, uh, an iPhone. Source subject, by the way, for those who are still using Android. You can still control the radio with that. Like the 536, I still use mine daily. And it's a it's a great radio. My 436 basically is still my go-to radio when I want to grab a radio. So I'm very familiar with that platform. I like it. 536, hands down, awesome radio. I don't think you'll be disappointed. But again, let's look at Simulcast. We're going to dog ear that one. Come back to it. SDS 200. Okay, the SDS 200, again, just like the 536 HP, you have a really beautiful display on this one. Home Patrol Database. And you can interchange your programming between a 436 and an SDS-200. So if you decide for some reason you end up with both of them, programming and cloning them are a breeze. Now, the differences, though, between the SDS-200 and the 536 is the color display, the ability to use simulcast in the SDS-200, and also instead of using the Wi-Fi adapter, you actually have a physical LAN port on the front of the scanner. Now, just like the Wi-Fi connection in the 536, you can remote into the radio, you can remote program with the ProScan, and you can stream with the Ethernet adapter. The issue here, though, is you still need a physical connection on the 536 and the SDS-200 to push data from Sentinel and to do firmware upgrades. I wasn't clear about that with the 536. Just want to clarify that here. If you do need simulcast, though, the SDS-200 is really going to be what you need. But let's take a look over at Radio Reference and decide now if you do need a simulcast-capable radio. So the first thing we were looking at here, too, is we're going to go alphabetical, I think, here. So we're going to go into Carter County, Tennessee. And if I look at just the main county here, I can see we've got everything looks like it is basically FM. When we go into the EMS Rescue Squad, though, you actually have... Um, Sycamore, Shoals, Hospital, Operations and Security. Don't think if you'd be wanting to listen to that. That is DMR. Also, you've got Elizabethtown or Elizabethton Public Safety Police Dispatch. Primary is DMR, as is Fire Dispatch, and the Fire Department is DMR there. In public schools, you have Elizabethton, Elizabethton Housing is DMR. Everything else here 
would be analog. Again, we're going to come back to the trunk system, which is on the Tacken system. Sullivan County. Sullivan County, we are also on the Tacken system for a lot of stuff, but we have straight old FM for Sullivan County when it comes to the sheriff's office and highways in EMS. When we start looking at municipalities, we have Bristol. Utilities is on DMR. Scrolling, scrolling down here again some more. Wellmont Health Systems. We have some security and some hospital stuff on DMR. Everything else here is FM Narrow. We're going to come back to in just one moment here. Unicoi County, which I think is the one you're primarily interested in here. We look at Sheriff has a digital or a DMR frequency here, conventional. Everything else is analog when it comes to public safety. When I say analog, I mean FM Narrow. Irwin is police dispatches DMR, as is their street department and utilities. That's pretty much it, really. It's very small when it comes to this county, even on the trunk system. But again, I want to come back to that one second. Now, Washington County, again, on the tacking system, we look at fire or, and sheriffs on Washington County itself. Analog, good to go. Johnson Public Safety is analog. So are the schools. Pretty simple county here. Again, let's look at the tacking system. And this is where things start to kind of eh, take a little bit of a turn here. So again, we're looking for the sites on this system because that's going to dictate whether or not they are simulcast or not. So I don't see anything in here for Carter. If I scroll down to Sullivan, I see we have Holston Mountain. Holston Mountain is Sullivan County. And also Bays Mountain and we also have Holston Mountain within parenthesis says simulcast Washington County. So right there in the name on the tin of the site, we see that it says simulcast. And when I click on that site and I click on the FCC call sign in radio reference, I can see we have three transmitter locations within the county. So yeah, this one, mm, you know, we might want to think about simulcast here. Next county over, again, Unicoi. When I look at that in the Tacken system, I don't have any sites there. So that's pretty promising that we don't really have much in there for Unicoi County. And then we go into Washington County. And again, I see Fall Branch, Buffalo Mountain, and then Fall Branch, simulcast Washington County in parenthesis. And when I click on that, site and I click on the FCC call sign, I can see again, we have three sites here. So yeah, this one again may have some simulcast issues on it. Don't have a big of a deal it's going to be for you, but you will have some there. Now, if I come back into the trunk system and I look for Unicoi County, because again, that's primarily what you were interested in here. I can see we've got Tennessee mutual aid channels. Again, these are all digital channels. I don't see any encryption on them. Emergency management, we have got a couple of TDMA or phase two talk groups here. So again, a radio like the 996P2, the 536HP or the SDS200 would all do well for you. Again, it's three TDMA channels that I'm looking at here. And let's see what else we have here for Unicoi County. Tennessee State and Highway, we have two talk groups in the clear phase two and also two talk groups that are encrypted. Department of Transportation help. Phase two, so you're going to want to have a phase two scanner there. And also wildlife agencies are in here as well. So to answer your question about simulcast, I'm going to lean towards the side of saying you may not need it. 
especially for Unicoi County, maybe while driving around, you, you you may lose a little bit here and there if you're going into into some of these other counties. Get a 536. See how well it works for you. And I think you'll end up pretty happy, especially in Unicoi County, with how well it works for you. I think it's a good start. And again, if you do have issues, you may be able to return it and exchange it for an SDS 200. But I'm pretty confident in recommending the 536 for you. And again, it'd be a huge upgrade from your BC355N because you can't even get the trunk system now. And a lot of the activity is on that tacking system. And that's one thing you want to do, uh, one of the things you want to load. And I think by putting it in the 536, by using Sentinel and getting it set up, I think it'd be nice and easy for you. Just remember to delete all of the other sites in that system that you're not going to monitor because as soon as you bring in a, a, a talk group, it's going to want to bring in all the sites. It's going to be a little pain in the neck for you. So it might be better off when you program it in just as a tip here. Bring in the system one time with all of the talk groups you're going to want to bring in here. Then delete out all the sites you're never going to need. Copy out now that favorites list with just the remaining sites you have in there. And then continue to enter filter that out. Filter out just the talk groups that you're going to want to listen to on a smaller scan list and possibly even the sites. It'll make your programming just a whole lot easier to do it that way. So Dylan, I, I want to again thank you again for asking a question again for Ask Scanner School. Hopefully I've been answering your questions and keep them coming. If you have any more questions along the, uh, your journey and along the way, I'm more than happy to answer them for you. Stick around, Dylan. Let's see if you've won this week's free tutoring session. Now, we're going to take a small break here before we get to the last two questions of this week. And as a reminder, anybody who's a Patreon supporter at the $3 or a month or higher doesn't get this upcoming break. For everybody else, we'll catch you all in just a second. Chances are pretty good that you shop online and buy things online. So whether it's Amazon or eBay or Scanner Master, maybe you got a new radio and you're going to buy new software from Butel. You can help support the podcast with your online purchases. If you use our support page before buying things online, you can support our show without it costing you a single cent. So before you buy your groceries, your golf balls, your socks, or maybe a new radio, software, or whatever it is. We would love it if you could use our affiliate links before you make that purchase. And this will help support the show at no additional cost to you. Go to scannerschool.com support to find out how you can help us out. Thanks again. Do you feel lost when it comes to the scanner hobby? Are you looking for someone to answer your questions? Do you have a new radio and you need help understanding how it works? Or are you working on a big project and need somebody to bounce ideas off of? Do you need a little bit more personal assistance than what you can get from an online community? And are you looking for somebody to dedicate their attention and their time to helping you out when it comes to getting you unstuck with whatever it is that you are struggling with when it comes to the scanner radio hobby? I'm here to do just that. See, you can book me for a session right now where I'll sit on Zoom and do a video or a screen share with you just as if I am sitting across the table and helping you out. You can book your tutoring session right now by going to scannerschool.com tutoring. I can't wait to help you out. Unication's G2 to G5 pages are great additions to your radio collection. Not only can they alert you with two-tone pager activations, but they can also monitor your local P25 simulcast systems that many scanner radios have problems receiving. 
And of course, many of our Scanner School listeners are happily using their Unication pagers to scan their local trunk systems. How do I know? Because they've reached out to tell me. My company, East Coast Pagers, is an authorized Unication, Swiss phone, and Apollo pager dealer. We not only support departments and agencies, but also the home hobby user as well. Find us online at eastcoastpagers.com. All right, welcome back. Let's get on to our second question of the month. Hello, Phil. My name is John Derby. And my question today, Phil, is I want to upgrade my scanner antenna to a Diamond D130NJ. Although mounting outdoors would be ideal, the reality is that is not an option for a few reasons. My next best solution is to mount in the attic. I have two choices. One, mount in the lower attic above my shack, which will require about 25 feet of coax. Two, mount in the upper attic on the other side of the house, which would probably get me about six to eight feet higher up, but necessitate about 75 feet of coax. I plan to run LMR 400 for either solution with an eight-foot pigtail from the end connector on the LMR 400 to the BNC on my scanner. So my question is, all other things being equal, is a six to eight-foot vertical gain worth the extra 50 feet of coax losses to the signal? Thank you in advance for your advice for the Scanner School podcast and for your contributions to the community. Stay strong, Phil. Hey, John, great question. And what a dilemma. (laughs) I understand this one very well. And I think I have got a very good picture in my head as to what it is you're trying to accomplish. First of all, the Diamond D130NJ. What a great antenna. This is one of my recommendations for anybody who's looking at a discount antenna. And I think I actually have a link for it set up over at scannerschool.com slash D130NJ. Now, for anybody who's wondering, the N in the model number designates that the connector on the bottom is an N connector. And you will need to take that into consideration when plumbing up your coax. Now, Before we get into coax and everything else, let's just look at things logistically, dollars and cents wise. LMR 400 isn't exactly cheap. And I actually hear it's been going up quite a bit. Maybe it's from supply and demand. Maybe it's lack of resources as far as getting things manufactured and supply chain issues that we keep hearing all about. And it could just be inflation, right? I mean, Things are going up right now. It's, it really is a fact of life and something we need to think about. So let's just assume that LMR is, I don't know, a dollar a foot at this point, right? So is the extra 50 feet going to really make or break the install here? It's another $50. So just, just Let's just say it's $50. I don't know the exact dollar amount, right, for LMR 400 in, in today's market. I, I haven't looked at it recently. And if somebody's listening to this a year later, I mean, the value is going to change anyway. So let's just, let's just roll it out nice and even. $50, right, is what it's going to cost you. So is it worth spending the extra $50 to run the extra coax? Well, could be worth it if you can get that much more of a gain out of the antenna. Something else we need to consider here is how much of a pain in the neck is it going to be to run that extra 50 feet, right? Obviously, the antenna is going to be right above your shack if it's in the lower attic, is from what you've described, or it could be all the way across the house. And does that mean you punch out to the outside, you run the cracks outside the house, and then you punch back in through the eave or something like that, or, or, um, an overhang to bring it back in the house. You could run it through an antenna or do you still run it up through the lower attic and then you're able to punch in through the upper attic. I'm assuming something like you have a colonial or 
you know, something where you've got an, an attic over a garage and then you've got the second story and then you have access to the main garage. It's where my parents' house is set up, by the way. It's kind of what I'm picturing in my mind here. So is it worth it, right? Again, in my mind, I'm picturing the fact that you've got a lower attic, right? Which means that so on one side, at least, you must have living space, right? So that is going to attenuate your antenna in that one direction if you have a house, a second story. Maybe you've got a split house or something like that, right? Regardless, you have living quarters on one or more sides of that antenna. Yeah, that's going to add attenuation in that direction. Would it be enough to bother you or cause an issue? Again, that's something that you're going to need to decide based on what it is you want to listen to. If, if you have nothing in that direction that you want to listen to, then that's great. And it's not even an issue. But if a majority of what it is you want to listen to is going to be on the side of the house that's blocking your antenna now in the lower attic, then then yeah, you're going to want to get up an extra six to eight feet because you're going to have more of a clear space on all sides of you, right? Now, you have to remember too, Yes, the antenna is indoors. We're going to take a little bit of attenuation on that, right? Because again, you've got roofing material. You've got all the aluminum nails that are up holding the, the shingles into, into the roof you know, structure and whatnot. An indoor antenna, even in the attic, is not going to perform as well as having the same antenna outdoors. Is it going to be noticeable? Could be, right? These are all different things we want to worry about here. But it's still better than just having the antenna in your shack. So what I'm trying to say to you here is having it above your head or in the lower attic is still better than having it a level below that. Having it in a higher attic, yeah, is probably going to be better than having it in the lower attic. But now we have 50 feet of coax now to deal with. How much is that going to bother us? And I love the fact that you asked that question. So what I did is I went over to the Times Microwave website. Now, Times Microwave is uh, one of the manufacturers of LMR 400. And they actually have a really nice cable attenuation and power calculator right on their website. And it allows you to put in a operating frequency in megahertz, a run length, and the model number of the coax that it is that you plan to run. Now, we're not going to run or put calculations in for jumpers or connectors or all the other fun stuff that really we'd want to add in here. We're just talking straight coax because in reality, you're going to still use the same length of jumper on the radio end, and whether or not you plug directly into the antenna or you have a jumper at the antenna itself, you're still going to have the same losses regardless of what's in between well, where you place the antenna, right? That's what we want to talk about here. So I ran this calculation off of basically two numbers, but I'm going to do three because I want to make it one better for you. <laughs> so the first thing we're going to do here is we're going to do 151 megahertz, 150 megahertz, a run length of 50 feet for LMR 400. We're going to calculate this. And this is basically going to tell us the amount of loss on the 50 feet that you plan to run, right? You either have 25 feet or 75 feet. So I'm just looking at the loss here of that extension. So at a 100 foot run, at 100 feet, 
the nominal attenuation on VHF is 1.6 dB of loss per 100 feet. Let's figure that out. That's just about 0.8 dB of loss at 50 feet. I, I think that at VHF, if that's what you're using, I wouldn't even worry about it. Wouldn't even think about worrying about it for 0.6 dB of loss. Let's double that. Let's look at 450. Uh, let's take 460. Let's go right in the middle of the public safety band on UHF. And let's calculate that. And what we come back with is 2.8 dB of loss over 100 feet. So again, we divide that by 2 because you're looking at 50 feet here. And we're going to get 1.4 dB of loss in 150 feet. Now, let's just look at this this way. A half of a half, half power is 3 dB. All right. So we didn't even lose half our signal yet. We're good, right? You're going to see a little bit of a loss, but you're also going to see a little bit of a gain in the antenna by, by raising it six to eight feet and by losing the attenuation of the rest of the house, blocking it. So this could almost be a wash right here, right? What you're gaining in the antenna, what you're gaining in height, minus what you're losing in coax could negate itself, right? So I think even here, you're safe, you're good to go. Finally, let's look at 855, right? We'll go right in the middle of the, the trunking band here. And we'll calculate this here. You have 3.8 dB of loss per 100 feet. Still not bad. Cable run efficiency here is 64%. Pretty good. Pretty good for what it is. So this basically means right here at 50 feet, you're still going to lose just under 2 dB of loss. So is it really worth the extra coax length here? I think we have to just weigh in the fact that we're going to be running 50 more feet of coax. Is it that much extra work? It's $50 difference, to be honest with you, give or take. I think if you've got the means to do it, I think you should go for it. And I'm going to tell you why. Because in the back of your mind, I think that you're going to sit there and you're going to, so, you're going to go, I really wish I had just moved the antenna to the higher, you know, the higher roof, right? Every time a signal comes in with a little bit of scratch, a little bit of hiss, or is just barely readable, I think you're always going to say, I should have put it in the other attic. I should have just done it in the other attic. And you're going to end up kicking your own tail for doing that. Now, I've got another suggestion for you. RG6 is a fraction of the cost of LMR400. You can get BNC crimp-on connectors for RG6 because RG6 is very common in the CCTV uh, world. And they use BNC connectors on the cameras in the back of the DVR. If you have extra RG6 laying around, or you can go to Home Depot or Lowe's or any place like that and buy quality RG6 off a spool, you can get about 100 feet of it for pennies on a dollar versus what you can spend on LMR 400. It's a lot easier to work with. It's a lot easier to run. And you may be able to just pull back your siding and poke a couple holes really quickly and test it. How well does the antenna work in both locations? And that's a really good way of testing it out without making big holes, making a full commitment, and 
seeing how well it works. And if it works better in one attic than in the other, or if you don't even notice a difference, hey, it didn't cost you that much to try. And that may be one way of figuring this this whole thing out. But again, like I said, every time you hear a pop hiss or a scratch and, and you've got it low in the lower antenna, you may always keep in the back of your mind, I really wish I moved that antenna, which is why I'm suggesting maybe run it with RG6 and just see how well it works. If you don't even notice a difference between the two locations, then you won't have that in the back of your mind that I could have, should have, would have because you've ruled it out at a much cheaper expense and you can always reuse that RG6 in the future to run extension off of a TV or a cable box or relocate your cable cable boxes, files boxes, whatever it is that you use. Or if you run cameras, hey, you got some line there that you can use as well. I know I have spools and spools and spools of RG6 and there's nothing wrong with using RG6 to temporarily move an antenna, use as jumpers and like that. So again, you've got multi-purpose uses here for RG6 in the radio world as well. Yeah, it's 75 ohms, not the best thing since sliced bread, not the best thing ever, but it's still usable in a pinch. And I think if that's something you may want to do as well, go for it. Really interesting question. I'm glad I was able to uh, get this one across my desk. And hopefully I answered this one for you. I know I left a little bit of loose ends here, but I'm very interested to hear what you did, how you made out with it, and what your final results were and what your decision was for where you placed the antenna. So I look forward to hearing back from you as to what you decided to do. All right. Now we got one more question coming up, and let's get to it right now. Hi. Good morning, Phil. My name is Tom. My question is I have a... Uniden Bearcat 436HP, and I am trying to assign a quick key to a certain station, and I am having a hellacious time. This is my first scanner. I've never had one before, but I picked out this one due to the price and the features that it had. I just joined your podcast yesterday. And I'm hoping you could call me and walk me through the process. Thank you, Phil. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Hey, Tom. Welcome to the Scanner Radio Hobby. You are definitely in for a wild ride. You'll have some ups. You'll have some downs. You may have some loop-de-loops. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be going to be interesting. But listen, we're here for you. I'm glad you found the podcast. And I want to say too, again, thank you for becoming a Patreon supporter, especially so quickly in your journey when it comes to the scanner radio hobby. And I'm going to say too, wait till next week because I've got a podcast episode coming up that I think is really going to hit close to home for you as far as where you are right now with the scanner radio hobby. And for anybody who's wondering, I did reach out to Tom and we did have a conversation for about 45 minutes on the phone. I did go through in uh, a little bit back and forth with this question with him to help him out a little bit. But for the benefit of everybody else who listens to this podcast episode, I thought I would replay the message here anyway, because again, what helps one person may help other people as well. I'm a firm believer in that. And I, I believe that because when you look online, you see a lot of the same questions that are repeated and come up, not saying that... Tom, this, this question has come up before and I'm, I'm answering it a thousand times. No, I'm not. What I'm saying is, I'm saying is that everybody who asks a question may 
inadvertently help somebody else with a question or a problem they have with their scanners, which is why I love doing these as scanner school sessions. I also love hosting live Q&A sessions because, again, there could be somebody who doesn't want to speak up that has a question, and then when somebody else asks the same question, it helps out more than one person. And again, people just learn by listening too. So again, maybe they didn't have this question, but now they do because you asked it. So let's go through this. First of all, the BCD-436HP is a great radio. Like I said earlier in the podcast episode, this radio is my go-to radio. It's it's not an everyday carry for me, but if I need a radio in a pinch, this is the one I go for because this is the one I have a lot of my stuff loaded into because with Sentinel, which is the software that you use to program the radio, it makes it easy for me to have a lot of stuff in here. It becomes basically my Swiss Army Knife scanner. Now, on our phone call conversation, though, we kind of uncovered the fact that you don't have a computer. You don't have the ability to program the scanner with a computer. And you had and you paid somebody to program the scanner for you. So hopefully the card that you had delivered to you has the programming on it that you were looking for for where you live down in Florida. And it was able to give you what you wanted after we got off the phone. And again, you also have the master or the home patrol database in there. As you you know that you have in there, you have got zip code scanning and you can use the service types to turn the scanners off and on. But that's not going to help you with your question because your question was basically, how do I go directly to a particular memory location in the scanner? And you would need to have favorites lists set up in your scanner in order to do that. Now, favorites lists are like memory banks. It's the easiest way to think about it. The old, old scanners, the old, I want to say the old scanners, the original programming methods was you had a bank and you had X number of channels you could satisfy within a particular bank. Scanner radios out there that, that operate that way still are like the BC-125AT, the SR-30C, and the Whistler 1025 and the 1010 also have that kind of programming in it, right? Uh, 10 channels of 10 or 10 channels of 100 or 5 channels of 50, right? These, these are all different ways that some of these scanners are set up. Really easy to set that up because if you wanted to go to channel 10, you just do manual 10 manual or 25 would be manual 25 manual. And that would take you right to that memory location. But when we start getting into DMA style scanning, right, which we talked about even early in the podcast too with like the 996P2 and even these home patrol scanners, we lost that ability so to speak. And what we have to do now is we have to start assigning number tags. And it really does create extra programming, also some extra memorization in a way. And it's really not that simple to kind of wrap your head around, unfortunately, but we'll get there. So really what you're going to want to do is you're going to need to know basically what favorites list that the memory location is in on your scanner, where it's defined, Unfortunately, Tom, when you and I spoke on the phone, you had seven or eight favorites lists on your scanner and they were labeled favorites list zero to favorites list seven. Really didn't do you any good. And I, I, Maybe that's because you tried to use the keypad to program up the scanner and hopefully the place you bought it from didn't just set it up that way. Again, we haven't spoken since you put the secondary SD card in your scanner, and, and that's the one that you've, you said you had mailed to you from the place that you purchased the scanner from. Maybe that one has Broward County, Florida as a favorites list, and it's more helpful than or, or less generic, basically, as to what you were talking about earlier. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to go in our scanner and we're going to, again, you can probably hear it popping in the microphone here, but I'm going to go ahead and hit the menu button. And what comes up on the screen is the main menu. We're going to scroll over to manage our favorites list. And I'm going to just enter in a, a favorites list here and we're going to pick one that has conventional channels. Same story when it comes to trunking. It's just that the last step is a little bit different. Instead of picking the frequency, you pick the talk group, right? And I'm going to enter in that by pushing down on my multifunction button or I'm going to press enter. And I'm going to scroll down to set FL number tag. This is the first step of the process here. We need to set a favorites list number tag. It's a hierarchy here. We have to go down the chain of programming. So the first part of the programming is our favorites list. So we define that single digit, double digit, a zero, whatever you want, right? That's what we go in there. So if I press one, one and enter, that's going to be where it's going to be. So for the fun of it, I'm going to hit one and enter, and I'm going to save this favorites list as one. Now I'm going to go now up to review and edit system, and I'm going to enter in the system name. And again, I'm going to edit the system options. And again, I'm going to enter a system number tag. Again, single digit, double digit. So I'm going to hit one again just because it makes it nice and easy here. Now, I'm also now going to exit out of that by pressing menu one time. And I'm going to go down to edit department. And I'm going to go into a department. And I'm going to go to edit channel. And from here, I'm going to pick the channel I'm looking for. Now, in this setup, I've I've gone through the marine channels. So I want my channel 16 to have a number tag of 16. So I'm going to enter there and I'm going to scroll down to set number tag and I'm going to enter 16 and hit enter. Now, that's the programming thus far. So it's back out now and the radio will go back into processing, now loading favorites list and it will go back into scan. How do I get to now VHF memory channel 16 in my programming? Remember, the favorites list was a one. The system was a one. The frequency or the channel was 16. I'm going to press channel to stop it from scanning, and that's the hold button. And I'm going to press 1.1.16 channel. And it goes directly to the channel that I've programmed in as that number tag. At the bottom of the screen, I can see tag 01.01.016. If you're going to do a whole pile of these, make a list. Trust me. If all you have is one or two, I think you can memorize them. But it does become a real pain in the neck. Again, it's something that you can do with software and Sentinel. But again, like we just went through here on the podcast, it didn't take that long to do this by hand. Tom, welcome to the beginning of many questions. <laughs> I'm here for you, though. As a reminder, keep submitting your questions. We also have tutoring that's available for you where you can book me for an hour. Go to scannerschool.com slash tutoring. Continue to ask questions, and I will answer them once a month for you, or you can find me over on YouTube when I do my live Q&A sessions. But uh, like I said, next week's podcast episode is definitely something you're going to want to check out. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and also make sure you subscribe to our uh, podcast 
the newsletter will let you know when the new podcast comes up. But again, you're a Patreon supporter. So as soon as I release the podcast early to my Patreon supporters, including yourself, you'll get an email from Patreon to let you know that you can listen to the next podcast episode. So hopefully I answered your question this month. And again, like I said, keep them coming. I'm sure you'll have more. All right. Now let's go through and see who wins this month's free tutoring session. So I've got a Google random number generator in front of me right now. And we're going to put the criteria of one, two, and three. So we're going to go in order of the questions that were asked. We've got Dylan, one, John, two, and Tom, three. And as usual, we're going to refresh this page five times just to make it fair so that we know that, you know, the right numbers are coming up. And it's not just defaulting to any particular number here. So here we go. One, two, three, four, five. Dylan, congratulations, my friend. I guess third time's a charm for you, and congratulations on winning a free tutoring session. Please email me, phil at scannerschool.com. I'll give you the coupon code to use so you can uh, book a free tutoring session by going to scannerschool.com slash tutoring. You'll be able to put that coupon code in and book me for a free tutoring session. Now, as a reminder for everybody else, I'm still available, scannerschool.com slash tutoring. You can find us and ask more questions by going to scannerschool.com slash ask. Pick up the phone right now, 516-308-2885. Again, I didn't drop the number earlier, but again, it'll be in the podcast description. 516-308-2885 is how you can leave me a voicemail. We're going to scannerschool.com slash ask. Click on the SpeakPipe link, and you can leave me a voicemail that way by using any device that has a microphone attached to it. So if you're outside of the U.S. and you want to leave me a voicemail, you don't have to worry about picking up the phone. It's the same way you do for free without having to pay international rates on it. Again, thank you all. For your support. Oh, and by the way, this is five years now. Five years of podcasting. Holy moly. Thank you so much for being part of this journey with me. Many of you have seen different styles of podcasting over the last five years and different changes and everything else. And keep an eye on your inbox because I'm going to send a survey out to see how I can continue to improve this podcast and what it is that you would like to see from me because again this podcast is here to help you learn more about the scanner radio hobby before we wrap up this week's podcast i want to take a minute here to thank all of our patreon supporters alan gonzalez arthur altrack arthur heron bill k bob robs bob middleton brandon sammons brian king chris paris craig harper dan dave dombrowski david pasco david c david kunzneski denny crotty dylan Hyder, ed walsh edward bramblett glenn dabos glenn wright greg johnson guy lee i hate junk mail jack haycock jacques berry jake jacobson james broxson james felling jay reed jeff block jeff chapman jeff mcleod jeff waldrop jenny taylor jim b jim heinrich joe curtis joe p john cordov john Keel, John Sweeney, John Sheldon, John Derby, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lloyd R., Mark Beebe, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Michael Meadows, Mike Lopez, Mike Piltz, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Rich Palomari, Ronnie Box, Sal Marandola, Scott Lefgrand, Terry Wright, Thomas Giampino, Tim Mazza, TJ, Todd Glendie, and William Arcand. Find out more about Patreon and our support tiers by visiting scannerschool.com slash Patreon. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again next week. 73.